What is up? What is going on, everybody? This week, people have said in the past that I have the people skills of Quentin Tarantino in this film. We'll get into it on the other side of the song. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone, to another new episode of The Threequel. As always, I am one of your three co-hosts, Ethan Klein, here with me, even though he lost last week, to me in a completely fair and unbiased way in the Rotten Tomatoes game, Brad Miller. What's up? And that might be the grossest thing I've ever heard you say. That I'm that, similar to Quentin Tarantino yes, or that I didn't cheat? The, the Tarantino thing. Well, you know, sometimes you gotta just, you gotta go for shock value sometimes, which this movie does in spades. Uh, and Mike Duranic. Hey guys, I'm really excited to do this movie with you. I could have said that my nickname in high school was Sex Doctor, like the. That, that's not the guy's name, was it? It was Is it? Sex, sex uh, something. Um, sex Machine? Sex, sex Machine, machine. Yeah. okay. Well, mine was Sex Doctor, so it's a completely different thing. Um, <laughs> we're talking about From Dust Till Dawn this week. I think this was a group pick. This was a group pick, because <laughs> I had a wake since my yeah. pick. Guys, January sucks. <laughs> No, I mean, I think you're thinking about it the wrong way. That's even. true. January opens us up to movies like this, which in That's other true. months we wouldn't watch. We would never touch this movie. Now, that being said, uh, I guess I'll, I'll kind of give away. So I always ask, you know, what your guys' first experience with this movie was and, and on and on and on. Um, I just had rewatched this movie less than a year ago. So it, <laughs> it, was, it was fresh in my mind for reasons that I'm not even really privy to for myself, but... Uh, it, it was pretty fresh there. But I'll give you guys the opportunity as well. And it was not the first time I've seen it. Um, what year did it come out? Oh, goodness. 96? 90-something. 90, 90 um, okay, that makes that makes sense from what I'm about to say then. Okay, so the question I always ask is what was your guys' first experience with the film? Did you catch it in theaters in 96? Did you catch it later on television? Had you seen it before? I know that both of you have seen this movie. Uh, I, so I won't even get into that. But... Um, what was your experience with it, and then what did you bring into this rewatch of From Dust Till Dawn? I had seen this before. In, in January of 96, I was 15 years old, um, and if you know my parents, they would not have let me go to the theater to see this. So this was a rental, and this was probably a, um, a uh, close the door, shut the light off, hope my mom doesn't... Uh, Come home while I'm trying to watch this because I guarantee you, I thought that Selma Hayek was going to be naked in this film at 15 years old and was like, dang it, I'm going to watch this film. Um, only to be disappointed that she did not take her clothes off and she's a vampire. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, yeah, we'll get it. We'll get into some of that later. But that's exactly why I watched it and walked away disappointed the first time. Unlike Ethan, I've had no reason to watch it since, other than this podcast. So this is my second viewing of this film, and I did not watch it this time to see Salma Hayek naked because I'm not a uh, 15-year-old pre or going through puberty uh, kid hoping to see her naked. Well, in fairness, I, you also knew this time that she wasn't naked. That's true. So you, that's couldn't, true. you couldn't go in. Unless you were you, you bought like the extended edition. Actually, I 
I I actually forgot that she did not because I was kind of waiting. I was like, is this going to happen? Is it not? And then uh, forgot that that didn't happen. But then I remember, oh, yeah, that's why I didn't like this as a 15 year old. 27 years later, Brad is still hoping. I usually I usually go last, but I have to jump in. Uh, you said like the creepiest thing or weirdest thing I've ever said is that it was similar. The scariest thing that's actually ever happened on this podcast is that Brad and I have the exact same first experience with this movie. Mine was not in 1996. Mine was in 2008. I know exactly when it was uh, because the movie Grown Ups came out, a movie that we'll probably never do on this podcast, but, you know, has its moments. Did it come out in fun. January? Because if so, we might do it. <laughs> no, it was a summer film, but Selma Hayek was in it, and that was one of my first experiences with Selma Hayek. I wasn't, you know, the movie nerd that I am today, and I was like, she's really hot. And then it somehow I stumbled upon this movie. I'm like, Selma Hayek's in it. It's from the 90s. It's rated R. There has to be boobs. That was 12, 13-year-old Ethan's process of this movie. And I, you were disappointed. I was pissed. <laughs> it, was, it was a much more visceral reaction uh, for me, uh, which was my first experience with it. But that ended up leading me into... And my, I didn't sneak through it. I think I just openly watched it at my house. <laughs> Again, slightly different well, experience. Your grandparents knew to stay away from the debauchery. <laughs> That's <room>. true. <laughs> I, What's Ethan doing now? He's just watching Red Eye again. <laughs> <laughs> what that ended up leading me into, I, I mean, we can maybe talk about this a little bit later, but there was actually a TV show of her, from Till Dust Till Dawn um, that I did watch through, and it's actually fantastic for what it is. And that is what then led me into my most recent rewatch of this, seeing which was better. Spoiler alert, it's not the movie we're talking about, but I think we'll still have some fun. Mike, uh, your experience with From Dust Till Dawn. Well, as has been brought up many, many times uh, on this podcast, uh, I watched this movie a number of times on VHS, courtesy of my brother's VHS collection, which... In hindsight, given the age, he really should not have just left all those movies just laying around. Um, but uh, I, I watched this a number of times. and uh, But it has been many, many years. I did not rewatch it within the last year. I, I can't tell you when the last time was that I would have watched this, but I feel like uh, the expiration date of me watching this would have been in the 90s. So it's been over 20 years since I have watched it. Uh, but I'd say I probably watched it half a dozen times at least in the 90s. Um, because, you know, at that age, this would have been, like, the perfect movie to watch when, you know, friends were over, right? You got blood, gore, yeah. all that stuff, so. Possible nakedness, yeah. but then, I um, mean, you know, some. Well, there was some, just not the ones you wanted. True. There you go. And, I mean, like, you know, uh, then all of a sudden it's like you're you're at a strip club and then, boom, vampires. So, um, you know, and uh, I think also that era, George Clooney, there's something very humorous, yes. as I'm sure we're going to talk yeah. about, about George Clooney, uh ER and, and this, this yes and his career did not follow this path <laughs> has there, the other direction has there ever been a better name for a strip club in a movie ever, <laughs> ever. just in existence I forget what was it called it's the titty twister yeah. <laughs> it's solid, solid. It's, it's, I mean that's that's up there um well let's get into it let's do the Rotten Tomatoes game I'm the defense I I'm gonna argue that this is actually the worst movie to be the defending champion for that we've ever done in the history of the show because I have no freaking idea this has been around for a while it obviously spawned its own TV show and it a number has, of sequels it, right? it has a bunch of sequels it has George Clooney someone enjoyed this in Tarantino 1996. yes Rodriguez there's a lot of uh Hayek. yeah that being said realistically there's also a number it should be at Regardless of all that stuff, um, I'm playing against Mike. 
He's hemming and hawing to try to pretend that he didn't like look this up before he came in here. It's got to be rotten. It has to be. If this isn't rotten, so I'm going to say a 45 and just let you pick. Whatever well, makes something rotten? 59. 60's the cut leg, so 59's rotten. Okay, so if you had gone like 59 or 58, this would have been hard for me. Um, go above. But, but if, if you're taking 45, like I have to take 46 just because, okay. as you said, there's so many reasons that this movie could have been somehow not rotten. I agree with you. It feels like a movie that's rotten no matter what, but you're giving me... 55 okay. points above. I'm going to take the 46, and yeah, I'll let you, you take he, the under. You handed him that victory because he's he's trying so hard to get this uh, the away from the him. He's like, I'm just going to go way, way low. So Ethan's sitting here. Next time he's going to be like, look, you know, this movie, it has to be a one. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Ethan's original statement was this has to be rotten. Um, it is not. Stop. It is not <laughs> rotten. Is... It's a 98. Um, it's in Goodwill Hunting territory. <laughs> it has officially knocked off Goodwill Hunting. At, no, I'm kidding. Um, no, it, it, it barely squeaks by. It comes in at a 63% um, audience score at 76. So, um, but on the tomato meter, it comes in at 63, not rotten. <clears throat> All right. So the, the audience, the audience, uh, it was a specific audience that went to look at this. So, yeah. So the next question I always ask is, is Rotten Tomatoes correct? I'm going to change it up. Before we get into the rest of this movie, I want to challenge all of us to say one nice thing about this movie. One legitimately nice thing about this movie before we move on. I, I actually have the entire thing, but I'll let you guys go first. Um, yeah, I, I think they're right. I, I think there's enough about this to make it redeemable. Um, there's enough about it to... it. Obviously, it's been almost 30 years since I've seen it, so I really didn't remember much of it at all other than the, the plot. Um, but it had me... It, it pulled me in. It was good enough to think, like, okay, these are some good actors. Where are they going with this? What's the outcome? Um, it, I think they... Tarantino was... He had to be trying to go corny in this, um, and I think he, he nails that. It was enjoyable i didn't hate watching it but i probably won't ever see it again i ranked it um darn near the bottom how many we've done now this is 101 mm -hmm. 102 102 uh it comes in at number 95 so it is down there um but yeah i, I i'm fine with a low 60 score uh, 89 for me, so we're in the same ballpark in terms of where we put it. So here's what I would say. You asked, not necessarily are they right. I would say that they're right, and here's why. Um, this movie is not rotten by the skin of its teeth, and the reason it's not rotten is this movie plays every bit as well today as it did then because this movie stuck the landing on being exactly what it wanted to be, which is a terrible B-movie and that has major actors in it, and is a serious movie, but it's trying to be a B movie, right? I mean, the the makeup and the special effects and everything, it's not trying to hide that. This is like those bad movies that you would see a, a mystery science theater make fun of in terms of the graphics, but this movie was trying to do that. And so for me, when a movie sets out to deliver something like this, it's not a great movie. Again, 89 out of 102 for me, um, but to say that it's rotten, for me, a movie being rotten, it would have to be a movie that thought that it was something that it wasn't and missed on it. 
this movie set out to be a, as good of a bad movie as you can be in that realm, and I think they stuck the landing on it. Well, by that definition, I can't argue with you. I get so I was looking at it from a perspective. I I had an enjoyable time watching this again. I I was laughing whether they meant for me to do that or not. But I look at it as like, I'll hit play on Gone in sixty seconds anytime that movie's on. That's a rotten movie. It's a shit movie, but I love it. Love every second of it. Like I I used to, what's that scene where he like flicks his hands out like he's ready? Yeah, he's listening. Yeah, let's go. yeah. It's a terrible movie. <laughs> right. Yeah. Duh. But. Yeah, so that's a right. It should, it, I, maybe I don't know. Based on this, the movie's probably sitting at eighty-five percent. Um, but I still think this movie's right. Like it's just, it is bad. Like I love bad action movies, but this is way down on the stretch of bad uh, in, in that category for me. While I was entertained, my nice thing about it, though, I will say, I think this is one of my five favorite George Clooney performances. I really do. I loved watching George Clooney in this movie. He he is what saves it for me. Like I've never. Quentin Tarantino for me. I used to love Inglorious Bastards. We did it on this show, right? No. We've not done Inglorious Bastards. We did Django. Mm-hmm. I've soured on Inglorious Bastards over the years. It's 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 fallen off quite a bit for me, unless Brad Pitt is on screen. I love Django. I could live without the rest of Quentin Tarantino's entire filmography, forever. Like that. That's just where I'm at. I've always not really enjoyed Pulp Fiction. Reservoir Dogs is so like Quentin Tarantino's just not my guy, never has been, and him leaning into like how freaking weird and creepy. I I did the cold open as a joke of of course no one's ever said this about Ethan. Thanks for quelling that guys, um, but it that part's a little too much for me. Where I really loved watching this movie is when George Clooney is being charismatic yet a psychopath, and there's crazy vampires flying around like that i had a lot of fun with it but it still trends rotten to me for all of the other weirdness that i could do without basically centered around quentin tarantino and i'm getting some eye rolls from brad yeah i think you're you're too hard on the guy but it's just i mean it's an opinion if you don't like his work you don't like his work you know i i happen to enjoy his stuff and i think he's uh underrated and I, I appreciate the fact that like you're going to watch one of his films and you're going to be able to say that's a Tarantino you know like uh, I, I appreciate that about him um, I think that uh, there was another point I was going to make with that is something you were saying and I, I lost it now but I, I think that the fact that this is as enjoyable as it is is like he did he took a really good movie and then added what Mike was talking about with that. It's like he took portion of a, a, B, a, a B film and stuck it in an A film and was perfectly fine with derailing his A mm-hmm. film. Like that whole story with the, with the gas station and then abducting that family and doing all of that, like well done, well acted. The, that scene at the crossing the border was was really good and you know in the bathroom and then he punches his brother and that's you know it's kind of humorous and stuff like he took a really good film and then almost purpose purposefully derailed it and i think in some ways it's like you know let, let's applaud him for that because know? we're uh, we're not talking about this movie if it's just a run-of-the-mill no heist caper no. you know thing mm-hmm. like that so what makes this movie somewhat memorable is the fact that he interjects and that's a good point i had also forgotten how little of this movie comparatively occurs with the vampires. Mm-hmm. 
It actually, it's, it's, just the, the, it's yeah. like the last 20, 25, 30 minutes of the, yeah. of the movie. As I was watching this, I had forgotten about how much buildup there was before you get to that point. And so, yeah, it's a great way to put, he derailed his own film, but I think that it delivered again uh, on what they set out to do. For the record, it's Robert Rodriguez directed this. Right. Um, Quentin Tarantino did write it, but it's Robert Rodriguez, also someone, I don't know, I, I like Spy Kids when I was a kid. I don't know. I think I think that's just what this is. It's impressive, I guess. So I guess you guys have started to sway me on maybe it is fresh simply because you're taking two styles between Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez that I do not like, and you have a movie that I've watched twice within the last year. So on that front, yes, I just still would say it's not a good movie by any means, but it is memorable and it is enjoyable. So however it wants to go with that. Question for Mike that I do want to put him on the spot for. Yeah. You have to get rid of one person's filmography. The choice here, the Sophie's choice, is Quentin Tarantino and Michael Bay. I'm getting... Oh, man. I mean, I'm getting rid of Tarantino because I can't get rid of The Rock. <laughs> but if it's not for The Rock... <laughs> I just I just needed to hear that officially. Someone look, else agrees with me on that. Look, The Rock is, a, is still 102 movies in, still in the top 10 for me all time, so... I, I would be a I would be a hypocrite if I kept Tarantino over The Rock, um, but yeah, I mean, well, well, well crafted question. There. That's all I, that's all I needed. <laughs> he doesn't have to ask me because he knows. No, what that's why I didn't to. ask you. I didn't need to. <laughs> well, he, in fairness, he also knew had to have known which way I was going to answer yes. that because in, there's no doubt. I, I agree with Brad. I think that Tarantino. I'm I'm probably in the middle of the two of you. I should say, Tarantino, I agree with you, Brad, you, you see the movie and you're like, well, that's a Tarantino, right? Yeah. Um, to me, he's a little eccentric for me. Uh, I am more of a Pulp Fiction fan than, than you are. I do see in some of his movies the brilliance in there. I think sometimes he, you know, he drinks his own Kool-Aid a little bit too much. Um, so I'm probably in the middle there, but I, yeah, I mean, unquestionably, obviously, Tarantino's the, the better writer, director, everything than Michael Bay. Oh, Michael Bay. Bay's the worst. It's just that Michael Bay hit one out of the park, <laughs> uh, and it was such a majestic home run that it's going to carry him in, in my book for yeah. the rest of his career. Hey, I, 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 I mean, I think he is a terrible filmmaker. I'm still going to be there opening weekend every time he puts a movie out just to see the, the carnage and the chaos. Um, <laughs> no, for me, I'll tell you, there's another guy in... Let's see how well you know me. Let's do another little trivia. There's another guy who's putting films out now that in some ways to me is similar to Tarantino and his style, and every time they come out, I'm going to see them. Some of them are amazing. Some of them are, what did I just watch there? Do you know which director I'm talking about? Kurt, Kurt Cameron. <laughs> assume you're talking about Jordan Peele? Exactly. Yeah. Yes, and I think it's a very, like, I can watch a movie now and I'm going to know it's a Jordan yeah. Peele movie. And I love the fact that, you know, and like you said, drink their own Kool-Aid. Like, I think if they didn't do that, if if Tarantino or Peel or, you know, other directors that do a certain style don't, then that takes away from their um, uniqueness and, you know, starts to whitewash them with everybody else if they don't add those nuances in there. So to me, this was a little bit too corny. I wish he wouldn't have quite gone so much down the corny route. But the fact that with the vampires and all of that stuff, like, you know, I guess in some ways it kind of has to be corny, you know? Well, and it's how something catches you, too. Like, you know, I, the Coen Brothers, they're another one, right? Like, you can you can watch a Coen Brothers movie. You know it's a Coen Brothers movie. Mm -hmm. I don't really like them. I love No Country for Old Men. That's the first Coen Brothers movies, movie I ever saw. So that that's what I was, like, ingratiated with with the Coen Brothers, like, No Country for Old Men. 
Then I try to watch something like Oh Brother Where Art Thou or they did one with George Clooney. Intolerable Cruelty, I think. He's a lawyer. You know, and I've never been a huge fan of Fargo. Like, you, you see one thing, you, you Fargo, expect that. Fargo, I think you is what you were trying to say there, right? Yeah, Fargo. And I've never really been a big fan of that. Like, so I'm not a fan of the Coen brothers, but I love No Country for Old Men. Same thing with Quentin Tarantino. The first Tarantino movie I ever saw was Inglorious Bastards. Loved it at the time. Then I got Django. Oh, my God, this guy's so great. Then I went back and watched this stuff. People are like, if you like that, just wait till you see Pulp Fiction. Well, why did I love Django Unchained? Because I grew up on Western movies, right? And it's it is it's a it's it's a Tarantino, but it's a little bit different into this Western world. Whereas Pulp Fiction is Tarantino to the millionth degree, so it didn't hit right for me. Like that's just some of these things end up working that way, and then you end up getting like a different opinion of these direct Michael Bay. I grew up on Armageddon. Armageddon was my favorite movie to watch when I was a kid. Of course, I love Michael Bay movies to this day, even though I know they suck, but they still work for me. Because I'm getting the bill of goods that I always thought I was going to get. I mean, that explains why you walk around with a bag of animal crackers most days. Um, so, you know, just that all that Armageddon. Um, I do think we're like we're burying the lead here, though. I don't think we've ever had a filmography that is more of like a dichotomy than Robert Rodriguez. Because you said Spy Kids, and I had no idea that that was him. <laughs> but like the same guy who brought us. Um, Desperado from Dusk Till yep. Dawn, Sin City, Once Upon a Time in Mexico, you know, all, all of those movies also brought us the Spy Kids movies and the adventures of Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Very true. Very true. Whoa. And he did direct seven episodes of the From Dusk Till Dawn television show. I, I mean, that's wild, right? Like, look at those two types of movies, and he is like, it's not like he just did a one of and either category. He right. he is well established and entrenched in both. So now that you said all that, what would you what where would you go? Robert Rodriguez. Like what what is the best Robert Rodriguez? Hey, my mind immediately goes to either Desperado or Sin City. Okay. And I enjoyed Sin City. It wasn't I I wasn't like somebody who walked away from it, you know, singing its praises until uh, you know, Dawn came around, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was fine again for what it was. Uh, but those are the two. Although probably as I look at his uh, filmography, um, I have a soft spot for The Faculty. I thought that that movie uh, probably was, uh, again, similar to this one, a really good bad movie. I've always really enjoyed Once Upon a Time in Mexico. I that and to me that that's more that is that of course, that's in the bad action movie trend as well. Um, I've just always really liked Johnny Depp. Um, yeah, Brett. I'd have to probably say Desperado. Um, there's a few here that stand out that uh, I want to go back. I, I want to watch Grindhouse again. Um, it's uh, just weird enough that I want to go check that out. But, Please don't uh, pick that. Um, I'm not saying for the, okay. For the okay. podcast. Okay. But, uh, um, yeah, yeah I, think it, I think it has to be Desperado for me. I've, and I've, I've not seen Spy Kids, but I'm imagining I probably would not like it. Have we ever done a George Clooney movie on the podcast? I glossed over. I said this is one of my five favorite George Clooney performances, um, and I don't think we've talked about him before. I say that all the time, and then I'm wrong, but I'm very confident we have not done a George Clooney movie before. We did one of the oceans, didn't we? I don't, I don't think, think we, we did. did. Well, let's just assume we haven't, and let me pose... So, George Clooney to you guys. To me, my view of George Clooney, you know, when I was a kid, I knew him as Batman not that like he was the Batman but that that came out like when, when I was a young kid 
Um, and so in my mind, he's always been this like larger-than-life movie star, which he is. But for someone who is in the A-list category, he hasn't done a ton in the last 20 years. He, he really is quite picky about the things that he does. And that ends up, for me, I think make, I, he's made a bigger fan out of me because there's not... 50 movies in the last 20 years and most of them are crap like i i like that he's not in things that often and then when he does pop up in things i I, i'm confident in saying that i'm a huge george clooney fan um and me saying that this is one of the five favorite times i've seen him on the screen actually to me says a lot i don't know where you guys are at with him but i'm actually quite a massive fan of his i think he's one of those guys that he fits in in a lot of ways and he's always good but like he's not going to be that guy I go to to say yeah I've got to see one of his films I'm never disappointed but also I don't think he draws me in Um, but yeah I mean great great actor and I think that I've probably thoroughly enjoyed most of his work do you have a favorite, just like a go-to when I say, is it Oceans? I mean, probably Oceans. Um, you just, you intrigued me because you just brought up the Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And I want to, I would actually like to watch that one again. Um, but, uh, yeah, I would I would say when I, when I think of him, it's going to be, he's always going to be Frank Ocean. Mike? Uh, I think probably the Ocean movies are where my mind immediately goes to. He does have a very interesting filmography in that I've seen a lot of these movies, but none of them really jump into my mind and make me go, oh yeah, George Clooney movie star. So probably the Ocean's movies for that, um, uh, for that reason. Uh, I'd have to go with Up in the Air. I don't know if you guys have seen that one, uh, but I think that's his best movie. I think that's his best performance. Um, that one's just always really got me. I think it's a really, really good movie. Um, let's keep it rolling if you guys don't have anything else. Um, like, I mean, we all have stated we're disappointed with Selma Hayek's performance in this film. Um, <laughs> she just didn't bring what we expected so, her to bring. Well, I, I guess I said, I, I saw this probably half a dozen times back in the mid to late 90s, right, after yep. it was released. Something I didn't pick up on until this time, but I want to check it with both of you to make sure that I read it right this time. I always assumed that this club was running and basically every night they just offed everybody who came there that that was their thing right this time for whatever reason the first time i realized that it was him bleeding that triggered the vampires coming out of them and so that gave me an entirely different take on this where it wasn't that this was just all a part of the plan that they were going to just off the people every night um because she fixates on the blood and that's what makes it come out and so then it made me wonder, had they not had the issues walking in the front door with uh, Cheech Martin's character, right, would they have just sat through the night and then left without a problem? I think my take on it is, is that happened every night, if not every night, frequently. Because um, they had all the stuff stored in the back, and I got all of that. Yeah. And as it pans out at the end of the film, all of the trucks down in the in the yep. gorge or whatever you want to call it um i think that you got to see the triggering factor of what made it happen there but i think it was eventually going to happen no matter what because they talked about feeding time or okay. whatever like yeah. so my, my initial that, read was probably right yeah and i, I think probably... that uh, that triggered her 
my guess is the way that character set up she's probably like you know the queen bee or something and has everybody else kind of do their thing and then she comes out and feasts or whatever but she lost her cool because she saw the blood and that's, that's uh, miss santanico pandemonium Santanico pandemonium I, I was about to just put brown on the spot and make him say her name that was my next I, little bit i wouldn't have remembered um yeah i i always took it from the movie that it was every night uh, that it happened but mike your your inclinations are leaning in a correct direction um because as a, a pretty big fan of the television show that Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino both wrote and co-signed it, so it's canon. I guess we want to call it that. Uh, it was it, in that take. It was like it was more monthly or quarterly, or there's like a whole other thing. She's like a weird ass Tekken god. It gets a little wild, but well, I that's enjoyed it. The, the thing is built on an old Aztec yeah. temple, yeah. and that's when they pan back. You see that as well, right? So, so okay, it, it was a whole different thing. But yeah, you're right on track there. So let's do uh, favorite line, favorite scene. Brad, even though he just said it, can you say her name? Santanico Pandemonium. Yeah, there you go. You got it. Uh, she's on. She's front and center, right on stage. I, I think though, uh, we. This is the part we also talk about the other actors. I, I I think that Juliette Lewis did really well in this film. Um, I liked her performance. Harvey Keitel was kind of. Um, he he didn't do some of the Harvey Keitel things that you normally think of, but again, good performance. Um, yeah, I, I just remember thinking that Clooney, Tarantino, and Juliette Lewis, to me, were the ones that, that kind of mm-hmm. stood out as the, the best performers in the film. Uh, Gary Busey's brother plays Sex Machine in the TV show. If that if that is even more enticement for you guys to give that a try. Um, favorite scene from From Dust Till Dawn? From From Dust Till Dawn. It, it's weird because I, I mean I didn't think about this ahead of time, but when you said that, the scene that comes to my mind is it, it was the nuance of her pouring that liquor down her leg into Tarantino's mouth off of her foot, because it was like almost that she noticed how disgusting of a human being he is and was drawn to that, and almost knew exactly what she was doing that he had a would have a foot fetish and all of these things, and I remember just thinking like how well done that was that she picked him out and that he was loving every second of that you know um and i i don't know why that that jumps out but it's just one of those scenes where he subtly nailed a lot of commentary without saying a word um in that moment not discounting anything you just said but i promise you that's the first time that nuance in this movie have been mentioned in the same sentence <laughs> some somewhere somebody just said uh, oh my gosh nuance <laughs> Tarantino, you know, friend of the show, listens all the time. He's standing up in his house right now like, that son of a bitch, got it! For the he first, knew it! For the first time after all of these episodes, Pappy Drew is doing a slow clap, <laughs> slow clap for us here. Like, I, I will say... Oh, he's I, been slow clapping to this movie. Since I before. think... <laughs> Other there's, hand. There's more layers to this film than what we give it credit for, and I think that's part of the beauty of it. And I need to probably go back and rethink my ranking. I think I didn't give it enough credit the fact when Mike talked about the B movie and the you know nailing the landing um, he took a really intense topic of you know what the the fate of this uh, rapist murderer guy should be and and 
put it into this this blender and this is what you got but I, I think that I clearly appreciate this more than than most and appreciate Tarantino most out of this group but I think that there's a lot of things that he puts into this that just get overlooked um, because we take some of it for granted I guess is, is what I'm really trying to say Mike what's your favorite scene uh, I mean how do you do a favorite scene in this movie and not have it just be something to do with all the crazy vampires? So I'm just going to give uh, the shout out to um, after Sex Machine has become a vampire and then bites the other guy whose name I'm blanking on right now uh, with the cigar. And he says, you know, let's go Sex Machine and chucks him through the wall, letting all the vampires in. And he turns around and now he's a vampire because I think that that's like peak B movie. Uh, And so I give credit where credit's due there. Uh, I think it's, I mean, it's when Harvey Keitel finally, like, turns on badass mode. He's got, like, the, the bat and the shotgun as a little cross oh, yeah, to, like, scare him away. That's, I mean, that's pretty, I think that's that's pretty sweet if, if iconic can be used in this movie. Two were iconic and nuanced were never used with this movie, but uh, we just did. Any lines from this masterpiece that stand out to you guys? I mean, I don't think I have anything to highlight. Everything that uh, George Clooney says throughout it is pretty good, um, but I, you know, I, just looking through some of the the script here uh, near the end, right? Psychos do not explode when sunlight hits them. I think is a pretty good line. Yeah. But uh, Clooney has a ton of iconic lines in this. He is funny. He has me rolling through the entire thing, and uh, so yeah, the the script was well done from that standpoint. Uh, I think. Well, first off, I was going to offer you guys 20 bucks if anyone knows what, unless you looked at it, uh, Cheech Marin's name is in the movie. According to IMDb, his, name, his character's name is uh, Chet Pussy, just for a fun little fact. Doesn't um, he play like four he, characters? He plays, he plays well, uh, one of them. The three, yeah, he has three characters. He's the uh, Border Patrol officer, yeah. then the guy at the front door of the building, and then he's the guy who comes to meet him afterwards. Going to assume that Chet Pussy's the guy at the bar. Yes. I I thought there was a fourth too, but maybe, maybe there, there could be. Um, but yeah. yeah, he has at least three different roles in this particular movie. Um, <clears throat> my favorite line, the one that I just enjoyed the most. Again, I I, I love Harvey Keitel. I agree with what you said, but I just always enjoy seeing Harvey Keitel on screen. Um, and it's when Seth asks him, uh, "Are you a faithless preacher or mean mother effing servant of God?" And he his response is, "I'm a mean servant of God." He doesn't say it, but like. You can see him trying to kind of build himself up a little bit, and that leads to the end there. Um, I think that'll do it. That will wrap up our conversation of From Dusk Till Dawn, uh, which means that next week uh, we have another movie to do, um, and that movie is Awakenings. Uh, Mike's pick for the month of January, Awakenings, Robin Williams, Robert De Niro, it was a fresh experience for one of us, and we will get into that next week on the show. And other than that, guys, for Mike, for Brad, I'm Ethan, and we'll see you next time.